June 28, 2023. It's a Wife for Pedro show.
Watch for Pedro Show. Happy Wednesday. Start off with John Coltrane with a live excerpt from November 22, 1962. Here's the version of the Antwerp. And then uh, Steve Dawson with I Gotta Move. Because of them Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention, I got with me. <laughs> Brother Steve Dawson, Hello? welcome aboard. Yeah. Okay. How are you? I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to be spieling with you. Now, I want to find out about your journey through music, so please bring your earliest musical recollection. Um, I mean, I was a kid, and like most kids, I guess my age, my generation, I did see Kiss in the in the 1970s. <laughs> No, but the so, question is your earliest. Was, yeah. The question is, what's your earliest, earliest memory? I've had cats on the show that talk about being still in their ma and hearing kick drum and shit. Oh, that's easy. Well, my first, my earliest memory was the band Chicago. And I remember hearing um, Saturday in the Park, that song. Big, Yeah, big. And yeah. Very sad about I was their... In the uh, Singer man accidentally shot himself. Yeah, yeah. That was my first memory of, of uh, hearing music. And I think what happened was the short story is I was in the car, in the back seat of the car, and my parents were driving me and, and they looked at me through in the back and I was rocking back and forth in, in time with the song. So that was the first time they saw me respond and I was I had rhythm. So were, I was two. I was gonna say you were grooving. You know, the, at, at two years I old. remember a T-Rex song <laughs> called The Groover. You were the groover. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. This pad you grew up in, was there musical instruments? Um, no, and only until I got a drum set. So okay. we didn't have music in the house. No instruments. Well, let me ask you this. Musical. Let me ask you this. What about at school? Were you in the marching band or the choir? Shit like that? No, um, none of that. I was all like motivated by myself to play my own instruments, so I never did any of the band stuff because it didn't. Yeah, really but sometimes me, I just know? ask you that shit because sometimes you don't have a choice. You're just a fucking kid, and sometimes the schools got rid of their music programs and shit and arts. So that's why I asked well, that question. <laughs> so let me ask you this: Can What was the first record you <laughs> bought with your own money? Um, can I digress for one second though? Um, about the music thing I did in high school towards the end, do a music program out in Long Island, which that was the, the one art school that I did go to in high school and I loved it. And, um, it was an art school. So I did do it later on. So I wanted to give like credit to it. It was a, they called it a, a board of cultural, something and uh i forget but it was a great school it was a good experience so that but it was more music theory, music performance and music uh like a college thing not like a marching band you know anyway what was your question again <laughs> first record you bought with your own money please first record i bought with my own money was Echo probably man. ace fraley's solo album from kiss and what was the first <laughs> gig you saw Live. That was Kiss, 1979, with Judas Priest at the Nassau Coliseum on okay. Long Island, New York. 
Okay. Uh, usually, you know, when I ask about that school shit, it's about you getting on an instrument or something. It's not so much the theory and shit, especially grade school. Yeah. Stuff, choir. yeah but no, uh, I- I'm going to ask you about after school, not graduating, but in the afternoon. Did you get in that garage band, basement band, uh, bedroom band, Sitch? Yeah. Yeah, we had, uh, you know, my my friends were growing up. I had a drum set first. That was the first instrument. So we had, you know. Well, tell me about that. Tell me about that. Why did you pick drums? And why did your parents give in and get you a kid? Well, yeah, I think all kids want to play drums when they're little. I feel every kid hey, wants to do that. Steve, I got to tell you. If I was the czar of schools, you wouldn't graduate unless you learned drums. Because I think that's, <laughs> especially this racket with the rhythm music. Come on, why be in denial? Anyway, go on. I felt that, yeah, I mean, I'm lucky enough that I felt like I had it, you know, just I was a natural at having a pocket and having some rhythm. And I loved it. And we had a neighbor that played drums who was about five years older than me. And he was my hero. So when I heard him play, I couldn't wait to go outside and peek over the fence, you know. And um, so I convinced my parents to get me a drum set and they, they, they gave in. Thank, and thankfully I thanked them for that. And I loved it. I just loved the drums. I don't know why I just did, but I loved the guitar as well. But the drums came first for some reason. Probably what, what, you had some buddies that knew how to play. And, and, and now usually you prac at the yeah. drummer's house. So you don't have to fuck wait to build and tear down the kit. Yeah. Yeah, that was just when I was young, very young, like single digits into like 11 years old, maybe. But then we had a little band at, you know, in like the early to mid teens. And that was truly where we uh, where we began that garage band thing with two of my three of my good friends. One has passed away, sadly, young. But my other one is he's still kicking both of them. One is named Joe or Jello. He's a great guy. And um, we started young. So we had the garage band. Yeah. Now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of material? Were you writing your own or were you like me and D Boone and trying to copy off records? Like you. There was no, yeah, nobody could write anything. So we, our time was spent playing Van Halen cover songs and Rush. <laughs> uh, yes. You know, Duran Duran. That kind you of You know what's we, trippy we just, about that? Van Halen started his copying songs. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's I like think, kind of a stage but I, I've had people on the show yeah. especially uh, more younger people they start writing yeah. songs right away that's one of the true gifts I think the movement gave to young people getting yeah. on you don't have to copy records if you don't want it. it's a, let the freak flag fly yeah anyway if you we don't try. have that it's hard to know if you don't have that kind of culture going you know this was 70s in pedro no one we knew even the best dudes who could play didn't write their own shit they just there was no culture for it yeah. so well fuck that anyway did this band yeah. have a name yeah it was called espionage <laughs> now did espionage do any gigs or was it just a prac band no, we did. It took a few years, but we actually played locally. We had a we had a little club. Ask, up can street. you tell me about the first espionage gig? Yeah, it was it was funny. It was at a club called February's, and it was in a town called Elmont, New York, which was right on the border of the Queens uh, Long Island border. And it was a biker bar. And um, on a certain night, I forget what night, it was uh, no alcohol, and we couldn't wait to do it. It was like any other kid. We wanted to play 
so bad. <laughs> it was 16 years old, you know, and we just had cover songs. We might have had a couple of originals. I'm trying. I'm, I'm actually remembering we may have actually written one or two, but uh, it's foggy. But it was it was a great experience because it was the local club and we felt like, you know, we could do this for the rest of our lives. It was a typical story, but so, we, we were so happy. It ain't typical know? because <laughs> some people's first gigs were nightmares, but you would consider your first espionage gig a success. Well, I would say one thing without tooting my own horn. We were good, very young. So I, w I have to say we were good musicians young, and we had an aptitude to play. We, had, we were blessed with good ears, and we were as good as we could be at 16, but we were very good. So I just kind of remember tackling, like, yes songs at six, you know, and just and it was – and then play a, a Van Halen thing or whatever. So I felt like we were so – we were confident. That's a good way of putting it. Oh, by the way, I was playing bass. <laughs> no, you didn't say that. You said drums, and you didn't tell me how you got on the guitar. So, so espionage, yeah, <laughs> espionage had fucking evolved before well, they I, even did their first know, gig. Kid, yeah, as a kid, I, you know, there's lack of bass players where I was living, so I was rocking on my guitar, working hard and loving it, and just as good as anybody else. But I got, I got the bass job for some reason, well, so well, I took the bass. <laughs> What, the older guy from next door, did he get on the drums? <laughs> We're all the same age, about 16. No, but you told me I there was a the cat bass. next... No, you told me there was a cat next door that inspired you that had a drum kit. Oh, yeah. He was... He was. I have an older sister, and he was... When I was very little, he was 11 years old. I must have been six years old, and yeah. he was the first guy that inspired me. Yeah. Okay, then so, who, who got... who? When you went to bass to save the day... Who took your place on the drums? Oh, my friend Steve, who was my oldest friend. And he, the short story of that was we were like, he was the brother I never had. And he has the same name as me. Sadly, he passed away young, so um, we miss him. But he was uh, not a musician as a little kid, but I was. And he always wanted to play. So I sold him the drum set. <laughs> yeah, fucking happening. And they gave him life there. Like he, you know, not, I didn't give him a life, but I did. Yes. No, but you gave him the old word opportunity, not the B word bird. Nope. We yeah. all got help and, and generosity from people, you know, and I, I remember he was thrilled and, uh, and we formed a band. It was funny, you know? <laughs> That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So espionage actually started with you on the bass. Okay. And before that, you guys were just jamming. That's when you were a drummer. But that's where you got your good rhythm to work that bass. Look, you gave me this tune, Fatso. Let's listen to it.
your target. I will stand here like an idiot with an apple on my head while you hurl response like some blasphemous arrow. Thus a guilt most crushing, a Sisyphean guilt, a heart hidden beneath the floorboards guilt, William Telltale heart, a post-ejaculation man upstairs watching guilt, with potential spirit across your stomach guilt, and it's entirely your own guilt, lacking any description worthy, to subsume with just simple words, is it a service to the blank sensation of, when the sky has its way with you, and you burn up in the atmosphere, while creation whispers in your ear, blessed is the dog defecating on your lawn, grinning, inhale,
lot for Pedro Show, that chunk of music star with T- Steve Dawson doing Fatso. <laughs> and then Guided by Voices, brand new, Meet the Star. Rhett Party out of Chicago. Precious Rhinestone. Ace Nice. A Produce, brand new, Big Background. Adivin, featuring Natasha Naramley. Nor- this is brand new. And, and the Proj back on after like 18, 19 years, I think. Mountain mm-hmm. Visions. Sprain, brand new. Man Purposes? No. <laughs> purposes. Man Proposes. God Disposes. <laughs> That's a good title. Uh, Red Largo out of Berlin with Exodus Transmission 2. And then finally, The Fuzz Haunted with Wet Song. Okay. When you get out of high school, like you went to that, towards the end of high school, you went to that music program and stuff. Did you take music to higher education? What did you do with music after high school? Uh, I kept playing in the bands, and I started playing in New York City uh, by like 1920. And I did attempt a local community college, but I lasted one semester. Uh, College just wasn't for me. So So you continued with the school of life. Absolutely. That's yeah. I had no choice. That's all right. All right. Now, you you made some kind of like evolution. Some people would say evolution. Some would say dia evolution, from bass <laughs> to guitar, right? Correct. Well, I'm assuming yeah. here, so I don't know. So fill me in. Yeah. Well, I I continued on with. It's funny. I still played a little bit more of the bass with the band that we had because we were getting a little older, and um, some people went to college, but were local in New York. So I remember doing shows at CBs. I would play CBGBs, and I'd be on bass, you know. And um, can I I ask you what kind of bass you had? You know, know, I'm a little prejudiced towards bass, so I'm curious. What kind of bass did you work? Okay, here's my memory of the bass. I think I had a Yamaha bass in the beginning that was borrowed. I didn't own it, but you know, you wind up kind of owning these things, you know? Um, and then I had like this really... <laughs> well, you inherited. Yeah, yeah, let's say that. <laughs> and I think I had, just to get by after, maybe that one disappeared, I don't remember, but I remember buying an Ibanez bass just to get by, and I hated it. No, I like Ibanez, depending on what it is, but I'm not prejudiced towards Ibanez. But the bass was garbage. <laughs> what do you think? Of, what do you think of this aphorism? A poor carpenter blames his tools. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to get your word on that. I'm listening to you. I'm on you. Funny okay. you what? Um, <laughs> no, it was just like you know. And I remember. No, no, having, I know exactly what you mean. Because with just, an instrument, you gotta express yourself, and if it ain't feeling right, it seems like it's in the way. I had to get from from A to B, and I bought that, and I remember eventually sold it to a drug dealer. <laughs> well, what was the first song I played by you today? I gotta move. You had to move that base yeah. to that dro- a drogas yeah. uh, uh, proprietor. I think. Okay, let me ask moves. you this: the guitar move. I want to know about the guitar move because when I got to play with oh. you last month, it wasn't a, you weren't working a bass. No, and I and I just want to quit, fit in. Thank you for uh, doing this show, and thanks for asking me because I love the show and I really appreciate your your support. And who you are, and how 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 you you really support people that come into your life. So I just want to let you know that right now. Um, I, well, I it really was done, love it. You know and what? I, looked- I got to tell you, Steve, it was done to me. So you know what I mean. I gotta like pay back. I got a debt. 
Well, I think it's great. So I just wanted to uh, say thank you. But yeah, we met at the whiskey and um, I was on guitar and um, I started playing guitar for real in my real band. I had a band in New York City called Bad Ass Franklin. And that's about 1993, 94 through about 98, 99. You gave me a tune that we're going to play in the third hour called Broadway. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. I forgot I sent that. Yeah, that's that's the band. And we were that was me with some of the same guys from, you know, but we finally sort of came into our own and I could be myself on guitar. But we looked outrageous. We wore wigs. I looked like Sly Stone. That's what I used to look like when I would go on stage. So um, I had a big Afro wig and these crazy, wild, colorful clothes. And we just, we were an outrageous New York City band. And that's when I felt like I was kind of coming into my own at 21 years old. Have you seen videos of him playing? You know, he did a lot of gigs sitting down. Fly? Yeah. Oh, I've seen them all. Yeah, I'm a, I'm yeah a he does hard. it sitting down, right? It's like okay, with yeah. a cowboy hat on yeah. and shit. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, I love it. it Last year we He's lost uh, Cindy, the, the, the trumpet player. And uh, just uh, uh, before that, the, the, the drummy, Italian guy. I know, uh, I yeah, know. Yeah, I, so, so, so does this band record? Does this band tour? Does it just do we, local we, uh, New York City gigs? We were more the, the the three states or whatever, the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. And we didn't we're the band that, you know, everything bombed on every on that. But the band, it was one of those things. We never we had some some representation. We were we had a dedicated uh, following and we sh- it's just one of those things. We never got a deal. You know, um, uh, we did record because I used to work at a recording studio in Soho called the Magic Shop, which was a kick ass studio that sadly has closed uh, only about six, seven years ago, but we used to record at the magic shop. And uh, because I worked there uh, when there was downtime, uh, the owner, Steve Rosenthal was kind enough to give us, to give me free time. So I had the access to a Neve 80, 80 series console for free. Let me, let let me learn about this. How'd you get involved with working at a studio? Um, Way back. Do you remember a band called monster magnet? Sure. Yeah, Monster Mag, Dave Windorf. Um, I had a good friend of mine in my hometown. His name was Juan Garcia, and this is a long, 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 long time ago. But he was a friend who knew who was working there. He was young, and he was going to school for audio. And I just wanted to get into the studio as soon as possible, about 20, 21 years old. And Juan, my friend back then, got me in, and it was as simple as an internship. So I got hired by... Uh, the, these, this woman named Janet Erb, who I'm still friends with to this day. Janet Erb's father was Donald Erb. I don't know if you were a fan of Donald, but he was like an out there composer who did. He was one of the few people that Frank Zappa name checked. Let's put it like that. Yeah, so, and um, Pierre Boulet. He was, yeah. Because the Yellow so, Shark, I know he dedicated to that. Yeah. Uh, but I got, into, I got into that through an old friend, and I just became an intern, but I was paid. I was a general assistant at some point, although I knew I was never going to go into audio for a living. I, didn't, I was more I was heading towards being a player. That's why. But we, the band, Badass Franklin, got to record there a few times, and I was always grateful for that. And, and uh, you know, what, what I understand about intern, at first they're making the coffee, right? And then they're ending up mixing the 
album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I made, I made really good coffee and I curled up cables really well. <laughs> right. That's what you do at first. Right. It's kind of like a, the hierarchy kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah. I worked with amazing people at the magic shop and I got an education. Well, and also work... it's, it's learning by doing. So it's not I... all blackboard. You're actually got your hands in it. That's the best part about what we do is we're thrown into the fire and we want to be there. And that's how you, we learn. And, um, and I met incredible people. I used to work at Lou Reed. I was 22 years old. I was hanging out wow. with Lou Reed. It was like, you know, yeah. it was incredible. Yeah. And yeah, I'm a big fan of I met Al Cooper. I used to, I worked with Al Cooper. I worked with incredible Al producers, Cooper. Don Dixon, John Don and Dixon. Yellow, all these great people. John and, and Yellow is an old friend of mine. I know him through Jay Maskis. Yeah. Well, Don was with Dinosaur. John was with Dinosaur and he was with, did you, I don't know if you knew Mike Johnson. Sure, he uh, played bass for Jay for a while there. I loved Mike. Mike was one of my favorite people. I remember he was always kind to me. So, and yeah. John was so close. We we were like a family back then. If you ever talk to John, tell him I said hello. He's a, do, he was a great guy. I, I think he's on uh, the other side of the country, but but I will. He is love the man. He is. I, Look, I love Steve. Him. We're at the end of the first hour, June twenty eighth, twenty twenty three. Dish and Wild Pedro Show special guest Steve Dawson. Hang tight for hour two. June 28, 2023, it's the second hour of the Lot from Pedro Show.
Lot for Pedro show. We start off the second hour. Steve Dawson doing Five Monkeys. Chuck Johnson, <laughs> brand new from Chuck Johnson. Night of the Disappearance. After that, great bass man. You were saying Connecticut, right? I think he's original. Doug Wimbish. Incredible. Oh, character. man. Yeah, Sugar Hill Gang, and then later on, well, God, he got asked to join the Rolling Stones. Yeah, man. Yeah, I, I really look up to him. He's he's great cat, too. I think he's helping the uh, living color people these days. And this tune from his solo album, this is called Glory. Derek Moneypenny Ooh. after that with part two of Unjust Intonation. I think Lamont Young there, early uh, John Cale uh, colleague, right, when he came to the U.S., with... Uh, they got the just tonation, the dream house, right? This tune that's been going on seven, eight years. I heard a couple hours of it. It was sweaty. It was in August. Adam mm. Fulton after that with Iron Giant. Yeah. Adam Fulton, somebody you worked with. Well, there's a great story about Adam. And if, you, if you're if you okay with me telling it, I could be really brief about it. The um, guess holds sway on the Watt from Pedro show. Uh, can I tell the Adam uh, story quick? That's what I mean by that. You hold sway. Hey, man, I'm, I'm catching on. Uh, <laughs> Adam was a guitar student of mine because I always taught guitar. And um, Adam Fulton, uh, as a young kid. Oh, yeah, okay we never got. Say, I got to tell you, Steve, we never got on to why, how you got on guitar. But tell this oh, story first. A, tell this story well, first. <laughs> Especially since story. you say you're a fucking guitar teacher. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm a teacher. Anyway, Adam was, um, as a kid, he was basically diagnosed with bipolar, Tourette's, ADHD, anything you could think of. And he was just, you know, life was becoming a little rough. And uh, I became very good friends with his parents. I was his teacher. And somehow Adam Fulton gravitated towards the bass. Yes. So everything you hear, everything you hear, once he grabbed the bass, his brain his brain could grasp it and he connected with the bass and he wrote all these songs in the vein of like Ronnie James Dio rainbow. Like he, he was a kid 12, 13 years ago, 12 years old, maybe who loved that stuff. So basically flash forward years later, I called his parents and him and I said, I want to record the songs that we worked on in your bedroom that you wrote. So I did all that. But what you're hearing is the writing is Adam. Okay. And he, uh, he was incredible. I think what you call that condition is like uh, Savant, like Rain Man. Remember that movie, Rain Man? Absolutely. Yeah. It's Savant. We yeah. say Savant. Yeah, it's probably a Adam French will... word. It means you're like lame with everything else, almost statistic. But then one mm -hmm. thing you're really good on. But I, let me tell you this. Dee Boone used to volunteer yeah. time to play acoustic guitar for autistic kids. And he could get yeah. through that wall with music. I did it. I did it with him, and I did it not only with him, with other other kids too. So I, I every time I I always taught guitar since I was 19 years old. So I always worked with kids as well, and I was kids make me happy because they love the instrument and they love music, and I love passing on that knowledge to them. Nothing makes me happier than teaching sometimes with young kids that are so open and into it. And um, Adam you, was one of those. You know what kids. else? You know what else? Mm. They're, they're the next shift. So I'm yep. glad you're okay. invested in it because we got to let agree. go sooner or later, right? I want to play Want to Hurt. Yeah. No, Want You to Hurt. Okay. Want You to Here we go. I know you think 
Rock and Pedro show. Start that chunk off with Andre uh, Comeau. Com yeah, you're, that's close enough, man. Maybe maybe <laughs> a Romanian name, right? Okay. Want you to hurt. And then after that, brand new from Chinese Herbal Medicine here in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, midlife Crisis. Then uh, Vinnie Goli's got a new project. This is Golia Shiroishi, Shiro Patrick Shiroishi. He's been on the show. Incredible sax Oop. man. Sikora, Skrawazeski, Wedman, and Zappa. This might be a relative, uh, like a great grand cousin or something. I, I don't mm. know exactly the thing, but it's called Liquid Skirmishes. And the sec Secrets uh, Street Sex out of Texas with If This Is What It Passes for Living. And finally, Steve Dawson with Sarah. So en enlighten yeah. us to uh, Andre Comio. Como. Andre is... Uh... Andre is a great uh, singer, songwriter, songwriter based in Los Angeles. And um, I met him a few years back, but I knew him about 30 years ago peripherally because I don't know if you remember MTV, the very first show they had called The Real World. It was like the first reality show. And um, Andre was the band. This is about 1992. And I remember his band back then, and they were based out of New York. And um, I always thought he was cool. And then 30 years later, we wound up meeting. And uh, I play guitar for him, and he's a fantastic writer and a singer. So uh, he's based out here in uh, L.A. And um, so I play on his records. I play the, the solos and the leads that you're hearing. So Okay, so we're talking guitar. Let's talk about how you got on the fucking Oh, yeah. Because went, went, the way I understand it, it went from drums to bass and then guitar teacher. Yeah, but I always just, you know, I always, guitar was it for me. I was just doing that stuff to make a living or try to get in bands. But yes, guitar was really when a, that badass Franklin band started. That's when that happened. And then when I moved to New York City for real, that's when I started becoming a session guy and, and half the income teaching and then the bands and the sessions. That's let me, let me ask All you, how, how did you learn? Did, is it self-taught autodidact or did you take lessons or read books or videos or what? Yeah, both. Uh, no videos. Um, I was a natural as a kid, definitely had a rhythm and definitely had an ear for music. And I was definitely a natural. But when I grew up in the in the early to mid late 80s, all the 80s was the era of like post Eddie Van Halen, enter Steve Vai and Ingve Malmsteen. So I wanted to be I wanted to know music more. So I had a great guitar teacher when I was a very young teenager. His name was Mike DiGiacomo and he was fantastic. So I did learn how to read music and chart and all that stuff. Uh, I just wasn't really like a jazz guy, so to speak, you know, so a bit of both, but I'm a natural, you know. Okay. Okay. But uh, I, I'm glad you gave uh, credit to that man, uh, Mike DiGiacomo. He was a great guy. Yeah. Because, you know, they're really, there's dudes with talent. Uh, for example, you can have great uh, basketball player, but he makes a shitty coach and maybe yeah. a, not such a good player, but he makes a great coach. Phil Jackson, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so there, there definitely is a skill to that. It's not just having the abilities. It's being able to inspire someone to find their own voice, right? I mean, tell well, me he, about your, your yeah. technique you use for you teaching. Um, I remember him kind of being an, uh, the inspiring only because I think I just connected with him, and he was a fantastic – he was a good conduit for, like, he could pull things out of his students just by, like, he was encouraging and he was a good man and he was fun 
to learn from. Uh, what so I meant I, was, what I meant was, do you s- learn things that he was using with you, with your own students? Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I, I was getting to. That I felt like all of his his character rubbed off on me. And I remember teaching things, even at, when I was teaching very young, I was taking it straight from his books, man. <laughs> oh, wow. You know? Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he also had books. Okay. Yeah, I had to take a lot of notes. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. How did you find him? Oh, we had a, uh, one of my good friends when I was a kid, uh, a good friend of mine, his name was Eric, and I just remember he had him. I don't know how he had him, but it was local. But he was uh, a traveling guy. He would go to your house, which is what I did eventually. So I used to have a car in New York as well. So I used to drive everywhere and teach. So I took a lot from him. Ah, that's different because when I was, me and Dee Boone, the the paradigm used to be, it was the music store that wants to sell guitars and strings so they have lessons in the back. But you actually go to their pads. Yeah, I I liked it. I, I I did that first. I did walk five or six blocks with my guitar to the first music store lessons. And that lasted a couple of years before I found this guy. So when I was 11, 12, 13, yeah. I used to, you know, walk in, walk in the snow yeah. to the music store. <laughs> what was your first guitar, Steve? Say again, sorry. Your first guitar. What was it? Oh man. Uh, it was a Toys R Us uh, plastic acoustic. It was from a toy store. <laughs> like yeah. fishing line for strings. Yeah, it, the action was about two inches off the off the fretboard. Yeah, right. it, was really, it, it was real easy to play. You know, whenever you laughing. show, whenever you show somebody that when you're a kid, they oh that'll build up your strength, and you're like, you motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> We're no. at the end of the second hour, June twenty eighth, twenty twenty three. This is Wap Pedro, so special guest Steve Dawson. Hang tight for our three. Museum in Amsterdam. Me yeah, too, several times. Twenty eight. June 2023, it's the third hour of the Watch for Pedro show.
bubbles in the tar engine room equals soot. Black bubbles in the tar engine room equals soot. Every man reaches for what he reaches and clings to what he clings. But black bubbles in the tar engine room equals soot. This is good, this is good A streak of light found my hand in the dark This is good But black bubbles in the tar engine room equals soot Black bubbles in the tar engine room Soot in the base of my sink. Black bubbles in the tar engine room equals soot. Lesson learned. Black bubbles in the tar engine room. 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 for Pedro show start off the third hour Steve Dawson doing turtle sunk Kevin after that just Ivan Julian speaking of New York guitar player mm. his son and uh Cynthia right the ma is from the Bush mm. Tetris and this is uh I think he used Roman numeral XIII so 13 ruins yeah, young people own <laughs> language right Bombas Prendon after that this is a band in the DC area they've been together since uh I don't know late 80s Recorded four or five thousand songs, done like three, four gigs. Yeah, trip. Mm. But they, they keep putting out stuff, and I dig it. Buzz Brain Breathing. Stefano Poli after that from Bologna, Italy with Ouroboros. He wrote this, an organ player. He's a guitar man, but an organ player used his composition or, mm. or uh, performed it. The Bloody mm. Mess Rock Circus with the bluest of the blue. And finally, Slimbot. With black bubbles in tar engine room equals soot. And I got to tell you, my pop was a machinist mate in the Navy. That's why I came from Virginia to here when I was nine. Mm. And uh, <laughs> what they called the old slang for engine room guys is black gang. And it's probably because okay. what you're describing in this title. I didn't write the lyrics. A good friend of mine, Jamie Lord, wrote those lyrics. And his mind comes from the, the same cloth as Don Van Vliet. So you can uh, draw your own conclusion there. <laughs> and Howard Berman, if you read the Mike Barnes book on Captain Meefart. Like, trust us, okay. that ain't fucking the captain's words. Oh, really? I thought it was a fake name for tax dodge, but no. Mike Barnes got an interview with this guy. It was a real dude. Captain liked to wow. uh, repurpose, borrow and repurpose things. 
Anyway, tell me about Slimbot. Is that like a side prod or what? It's very it was a interesting. Side project, yeah. After, I mean, those the two guys in Slim. It's three people. My friend, myself, this guy Jamie Lord, and his brother Randy Lord, and we've been friends for years. They were in that band, Badass Franklin, and then many years later, uh, many many years later, we just wrote and recorded six songs, maybe at home, and uh, just put it out there and played some local shows. But it didn't really go anywhere. It was just something to do. But we were proud of it. it but it was just a a one-off EP, so to speak, you know? And you got the document to prove it. I still like it. It's you know, that's the thing about it. making recordings. They're kind of like headstones. <laughs> so well, even though it might be gone, like, you know, there's some document to live on. Look, well, one, one, one thing that you gave me that we didn't discuss was something called the Fuzz Haunted. Enlighten oh, yeah. me, please, Steve. Same two guys, but it was more of this one of the guys, his name was Randy Lord, and the two of us probably about 2000, about 20 years ago, I'd say, we did that as a project. So we recorded a record called The Fuzz Haunted, a real record, about eight, nine songs, and um, played as a duo. We didn't play as a band. And um, don't forget, like, this whole time, I'm a session person. I have, I'm in 20 bands at once. I'm making a living doing guitar. So we have now projects, but no real, we're not really um, gigging, uh, you know, consistently but i think but that's healthy you... otherwise there's this disease i discovered comes from that situation called sidemanitis and they start hating everything because they never get to express <laughs> themselves no that's not me yeah that's not me. i think life well i think at times uh, life's more about taking turns so you take direction than other times you give direction you know you collaborate at other times yeah. you know life that that whoever wrote those plays, you know, life is a stage and roles and this kind of thing. Why not? Why should things be static? Why can't they be dynamic? I want to play something now since we've heard so much about Badass Franklin and the people you still continue to play with. Let's yeah. listen to Broadway, Good. big street in New York City. <laughs> Yeah. 
Watch for Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. Badass Franklin started off the chunk with Broadway. <laughs> Telling Steve off air about seeing that over by the Spite and Dabble, where it's way up in the sky going towards Yonkers. It'll trip your mind out because you're taking a little train ride and you're walking on it. <laughs> yeah, trip. 99 letters after that with Honore Gary Lee Connor from the Screaming Trees. We lost his brother Van. Beginning of the year. Yep. Great bass man. Yeah. Sinister Fran. And finally, Steve Dawson with 90% mouse. Now, yeah. Pedro, mouse is a slang for some dude who comes on the side, like the side mouse, right? Like you get served at a chow pad before somebody else, and they're sneaking over there with the fork. Hey, I wonder what those French fries taste like. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what, what do you got planned right now? What are you doing right now, and what is your future plans for music besides teaching, which is a great okay. thing? Uh, my current focus, I'm still playing. Uh, the pandemic was, every, we all got our own story with that. So I'm coming off of the, that BS. And, um, but I build these guitars called Calvin guitars and that's kind of the focus. And they're basically like kind of hot rotted looking Stratocasters, but with my own personalized stamp on them. So that's kind of the focus is the guitars. And, um, I love them. They're very flashy and they're named after our dog, Calvin. So that's the focus is that in many ways, but I also have a lot of music that's like getting pitched to TVs and TV and film and stuff. And I'm kind of focusing more on that than the, than the touring, you know? And what about like uh, albums or projects like those two brothers that you were playing with? Uh, we're not doing anything anymore, but the last few years I, I was in a blues band with a, a Grammy nominated blues artist named Janiva Magnus. And she's a great singer. And I was doing that for a little while before the pandemic hit and uh, straight up kind of traditional more on, a, but on the mainstream side of blues. And um, I was working with a producer named Mark Tanner who had a bunch of hits. Uh, and I was working with him. He had a, an artist named Scott Howard and we were just working with stuff. We did some TV stuff and some recordings and some live. We did some stuff with the village recorders did a whole shoot there. And um, lately it's just been uh, local gigs. A lot of my stuff has been local lately. Um, so well, yeah, let me ask you this. Of- let me ask you this. You know, a lot of these things here are credited to Steve Dawson. You record these, you got a home studio? Yes, I do. We're here in Studio City. Okay, yeah. in yeah. Studio City. <laughs> hey, how, deep- how cool. Well, that's where the <laughs> musician union is now. They moved off of La Brea, right? Um, right. Yeah, AM. AFM Local 47. So, um, uh, like, are you making a Steve Dawson album, you know, uh, bit by bit? There's no pressure with the home studio, and you don't have to worry about touring and stuff like that. Do you have? Do you let some kind of uh, creative uh, impulses out, by, like, doing that? Over the, I, I think the closest right now is my SoundCloud. Uh, Steve Dawson has got about a dozen songs that are all instrumental, and that's pretty much the album like those are those have been written and recorded all by myself here so i'm like it's not a record but it is out there and i love them i'm proud of them and um that's kind of what where where my own music is at i have a whole side of me with the instrumental kind of stuff and does this uh studio can you play drums um no i have uh i actually use 
um, I'll either get somebody to play drums for me and record it, or I'll just use some samples and stuff that I have. And, and, but you don't record them at your pad. It's like my pad. I can do everything <laughs> no. but drums because I'm in a fucking apartment, right? No, no, sir. No drums here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, do you still get on the drums? No, no. Wow. Only at a when was the last time? <laughs> no idea. <laughs> you have no idea when you last got on the drums. That was a, something from your youth, right? Yeah, the only time I jump on the drums if I'm at a rehearsal from somebody and the drummer leaves the room, then I could jump on the drums. <laughs> and, and you're saying that people can find your music on the internet by going to SoundCloud and searching for Steve Dawson, D-A-W-S-O-N. Yeah, the SoundCloud is good. And then you could do the, the Instagram uh, for the guitars, which is called Calvin Guitars L.A., but there's so, no, but no Steve Dawson website. Um. Oh, there was a Steve Dawson dot net, but that was getting useless, so I uh, I shut it down. So pretty much the Steve uh, SoundCloud and the and I'm on Instagram also, which is Steve Guitar Dawson, but it's Steve G T R Dawson. You know, so I went looking on the internet. There's another musician named Steve Dawson. You know that, right? Yeah. He's, he's a Canada guy. He's got right, a lot more right, right. Yeah, I, I know who he is. <laughs> okay, does he know you? Who knows? <laughs> okay, one time I was playing in Canada in a town outside, about northwest of uh, Toronto called Guelph, a college town. And there was yeah. a club called Trashateria. And this cat, hey, what? I want you to meet somebody. Yeah? Yeah, the owner of the pad I was going to play, right? Trashateria. So he comes, yeah. brings me to meet this guy. He says, Mike Watt? Meet Mike Watt, the owner of the same name as I did. That's funny, man. That was a trip. It yeah. is fun. So, right, okay, so what we got to look forward to then, but you're still doing instrumental stuff? Yeah, I am. I am. Okay, I mean, so people, trip. check out SoundCloud. I, I've been there. And in fact, that's where you first heard him on the show. I took some tunes from there, The uh, a couple of them, right? Uh, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and in the meantime, yeah, if you're looking for guitars... He's got that going too. And yeah. last, what, you don't have a website for your lessons. It's word of mouth. People tell each other. Yeah, and I used to do it so much more in New York. Is don't forget, I moved to LA only eight years ago. I waited till I was a lot older. So I've kind of been reestablishing myself. Just my whole life changed a lot. So I have not taught as much here. But I, so I don't have the website for the teaching. Okay. Uh, it's been a, a transition. It's a transition. Sure, sure, I sure. A, I understand. Yeah. I understand. Uh, you know, what do we call? We called. Uh, Sea change. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> okay. Thanks for being on the show so much. Come back anytime you want, please. Thank you. People, it's been the June 28, 2023 edition of Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry.